the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, 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 Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Please remember, visit ProAmericaReport.com to listen to my uh, this program as a podcast. You can also check wherever podcasts are posted. Uh, do a search for the Pro-America Report, Ed Martin's Pro-America Report, ProAmericaReport.com. Thank you for doing that. And spread the word. Again, at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, Ed Martin Live on Facebook, uh, over on Gab and Parlor. Ed Martin is a keyword. No need to even add the eagle. So uh, we got all that covered. And you can get in touch with me directly. Folks love to do it. Straight up, ed at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com. Also, uh, text me, 314-256-1776. All right, in a few moments, we'll talk with John Schlafly about the crisis on the border. We'll also uh, get a chance to ask him. That's the column that's coming up this week uh, that John and Andy Schlafly have the weekly Schlafly Report, which posts over at townhall.com just a little bit. Well, a few hours before this program is when they post. And we'll talk with our new a new favorite friend of mine, Steve Bias, who is a professor. And he is going to tell us why something you hear about, an idea you hear about from some good people, conservatives, is a bad idea. Some conservatives say, hey, let's do a constitutional convention. It'll work out great. Well, Steve Bias will tell you why. I'll chime in and agree with him, and we'll talk about all of that. But let's first talk about what you need to know today. Um, one of the tricks of the left, and especially sort of you know, anti-American, people that hate the country, one of their tricks is to demean institutions which are at the heart of who we are as Americans. So, for example, when you see the rule of law undermined by people like Comey and out-of-control judges, and you see a two, a two or three or five-tiered system where the swamp is judged by one system, which is no crime for you, Hillary, no crime for you, uh, uh, Brennan or Clapper. Brennan, I guess, is it the lied to Congress. And a different tier for the we the people. And that tier is, oh, hold accountable. Full-on FBI searches for the people who walked into the Capitol, no matter when they saw the doors open or why they were welcomed by Capitol Security, Capitol uh, Police. Two tiers. Two tiers. Many tiers, actually. But they say, American people look up and say, the system is rigged. Well, the left loves to do that. They love to tear down institutions. They actually, they love to denigrate and destroy the confidence we the people have in our institutions. Another example, by the way, is um, the media. You know, it used to be we were the envy of the world because we had free speech and we had a, a media that was responsible. They might have opinions, but they weren't lunatics. They might have opinions, but they didn't want to brainwash. We don't have that now. Well, you'd say, well, the, the, the left and the anti-American people, they've, they've denigrated the institution of our churches. And, and by the way, let me be clear. Every time you see one of these entities denigrated and disrespected and demeaned and the confidence driven down, 
it's usually with the participation of, of people who make bad decisions. So I'm not I'm not saying it's not entire. I'm not saying that it's always sort of oh here comes a leftist attacking uh, the church and the church fails. No, I'm saying the leftists like to see when our churches fail and when our leaders are weak, and sinful, and broken, and they celebrate it. So you watch it with our churches, you watch it with our rule of law, you watch it with our uh, confidence in the media, you can go down the line. University life in America, there was once a time where it was very noble to think about how our university system was accessible to all people, dramatically so after World War II when the GI Bill contributed to that. But in general, if you were smart and worked hard, you could get into any school and you could afford it. Now the system of higher education is a racket for government bureaucrats that control the loan industry and for loan companies that make money. You get the point. I'm going off of it. But driving down the confidence we have in key institutions is something that the left loves to do because the American experiment has been a system, a web of institutions in which we can live and thrive. Another example is the family for lots of reasons, some of them that have to do with um, modernity, you know, people um, 100 years ago, you didn't move very far from your family. You know, 100 years ago, someone who moved 100 miles away was a big deal. That person was a renegade. Now, you know, every kid gets out of college or gets out of high school or gets a job and they go halfway across the country. It happens all the time. We're much more mobile. So some of that is a reality of modernity. But some of it is loving to destroy parental rights, loving to destroy the relationship between children and their parents. Another institution that's just decimated. People have a lack of confidence in it is human sexuality. Notice the reaction to the to the, the Pope saying that you know homosexual acts outside of mar- marriage between a man and a man is not a real marriage and therefore it's sinful. Just like acts of sexuality outside of marriage is sinful. Well, you would have thought somebody landed from the moon and said this. 45, 50 years ago, people would have recognized that as a norm. So here we are, and I just want to point to this. Over on Twitter, a video surfaced. I saw it on Ron Coleman's Twitter feed first, but I think it was actually The Hill, the newspaper The Hill, had video of the representative who represents Guam. Now, Guam is a a representative in the United States Congress as an observer, not as a participant. I don't think they have a voting member, a little bit like Puerto Rico, a little bit like uh, District of Columbia. You know, Guam's very small. Well, the representative, the person who's in Congress to represent their interests, not vote, not a voting member, he marched over to Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene's office. It looks like 30 members of the National Guard from Guam, and they're in full uniform. I don't think they were armed, although they could have been. And and he marches them over to effectively, in my opinion, intimidate Marjorie Greene, embarrass her for sure, and get the um, get the photo op. Right, get the photo op. This is the this is the this is what they're doing. And and when you see what's interesting about the video is initially the video showed all of this footage. Then it's been edited now to show less of the, the men. It's all men as far as I can see, the Guam National Guard members, and they march over there in their cam in their camos. And they're and they're you know and they're um you know very uh, it's not formal because well it's not formal uniforms, but it's clear that these are military men in an, in, a, in, a, in a Fort Pelosi that has been set up as a military it's very intimidating. Here's my point. <coughs> It used to be with the count on our military to maintain the discipline in the face of people around them. People with stupid ideas, people with political ideas, people with um, dumb ideas of doing something. And our military would be able to resist that because they had a certain quality and discipline above things. 
I'm, I'm pointing now to Tucker Carlson's complaints about pregnant women in combat and pregnant women uniforms and the changing of our, 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 our military. And I've talked about that. But the more surprising thing that should worry you is the ongoing attacks by members of the military, members, senior enlisted members, so I think I'm star, sergeant major, senior uh, 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 officers in attacking Tucker Carlson, attacking through Twitter and otherwise, and saying things like, you know, we'll, we didn't attack you, you attack you, you'll know it. attack is a technical term or something like that. And now you have this congressman, this half congressman that represents Guam, marching his members. This is demeaning to the military, and it brings us to a certain point. And the point is this, and what you need to know. Either you have a military that is that is focused on military superiority, not in military management, not in military politics, military superiority. Be able to kill the other guy faster in such a way that everyone will know so we won't have any wars. Or you have this hodgepodge of elected officials and political types. And let me be clear. You can't tell me that Eisenhower as a general, MacArthur as a general, Patton as a general, uh, pick another one, U.S. Grant as a general, didn't understand that there's politics at the highest levels. The men and women, uh, the men and women, not this time there's generals that are women that get to be generals. They know how to play politics. It may be small p politics, not partisan the same way, but they know what's going on. And so here's my point, what you need to know. The generals, the enlisted men, these National Guardsmen acting like this, it only happens if the commander-in-chief allows it. It only happens if the culture says, and I mean the military culture who's in charge says it's okay. That's what should worry you. Because I can say, I don't think you would have seen Trump allow this. I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody could point to something else. I mean, people got mad that Millie marched across the uh, Lafayette Square. But I, I just can say, at this point, here's the trick they're doing. As they do this, we, you, me, Tucker Carlson, others, say to each other, boy, this institution, I don't have confidence in it. And remember what I said? That's their goal. More and more Uh, institutions with diminished confidence in the American people is better and better for the left who wants to unhinge and dramatically change America. And so it's, it's one of these trick boxes because I don't want to attack the military leadership for being terrible, for being feckless, for being wrong, because it diminishes them. But nor do I want to sit back and say this is okay. And the blame for this lands in only one place, it, it, lands, it can only land in one place in our system, and you should let it land there, and you should take stock and take account, and that is in the Oval Office. Because you cannot blame the culture of the military and the leadership, even if they act like idiots or, 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 or don't act like idiots. It comes from the top, and the accountability, the only check we have is on, mil, on, on our elected officials. So that's area. That's what you need to know. All right. We'll take a break. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com for the podcast. We'll be right back. Talk with John Schlafly and also with our new friend, great friend of the show, Professor Steve Bias. And uh, we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very pleased to welcome back our new friend. He was on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, Steve Bias is a professor in Oklahoma. He's got another piece up, this time on the Epic Times. This man is a prolific writer. I think it was in the New American last week or 10 days ago. And this piece is just about, uh, well, it's two weeks old. Uh, yeah, two weeks old. But it came to my, it was passed around to me, Steve, professor. And uh, someone said, you got to check this out. It's commentary called, title is Constitutional Convention is Not the Solution to Big Government. So first of all, welcome, Professor. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on. Now, I was with, he's going to, you'll love this. I was on the Young Turks TV show last night, two nights ago, I don't know, sometime this week, with that Cenk uh, Igor or Uyghur or whatever. And at the end of the program, he said, you know, maybe we can agree on something. Don't you want to change, don't you want to convince the states? And I said, oh my gosh, you're crazy. And so, <laughs> so this left wing guy wants the convention of states. And I said to him, don't you think they'll change a lot of it if we have a convention? He said, yeah, that's the point. That should be the end of the debate. You know, the, the point The point here is, and you walk us through it, what is it that people think we could do, and what's the risk? Go ahead. Well, the first thing I would say is, if you've ever heard of Hippocrates, the Hippocratic Oath, uh, was first, do no harm. <laughs> and I think right, that that's right. one of the things that naive conservatives overlook is – this is not something that you could just try, and if it doesn't work, we'll try something else. If you try this, it could be the whole ball game. It's like playing Russian roulette. Exactly. Well, and so, chamber. yeah, and so, and here's, but let's back up for one second. So what you have is people that are rightly frustrated with the size and scope of government and out-of-control judges and things that shouldn't be happening in America, and they invoke the idea that there is an article of the Constitution that allows the calling of a constitutional convention, a so-called convention of states. And by the way, Steve, I'm sure you'll agree, there's lots of good conservatives, good, really good guys and gals who have embraced this idea. And I'm kind of like, no, we got to fight this amongst ourselves because I agree with you on every other issue on most. But the idea would be you would call a convention of states and each state would get to send their delegates. So my point has always been California is going to send Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom, right? New York is going to send Andrew Cuomo and uh, AOC and somebody else. And, uh, you know, maybe Texas sends Ted Cruz, maybe, but that, but not every other state. So you end up, why would you want Barney Frank when we had you know, Ben Franklin 250 years ago. That's my point. And, and what would happen? So walk us through what you what you identify in, this, in your essay. Well, one thing is that some of the Convention of States people who are uh, conservatives that are for this, uh, what, the, what they, they argue is, well, the, the state legislatures would uh, elect these delegates. It does not say that in Article 5. It absolutely does not. Uh, and, and so as far as uh, even though... Uh, the states would uh, make an application for a convention. The Congress would set up the convention. That's what it says in Article 5, that people will read it. And I cannot conceive that uh, the large population states would allow uh, the small population states to be equally represented. So what we're going to have uh, in uh, this constitutional convention, if it were to occur, is basically the same ideological makeup that you now have in Congress. And we don't want that. Uh, it's bad enough, you know, making laws when they're changing the, uh, our fundamental government uh, aspects of our government. That, that's horrendous. And, and that's what could potentially happen. 
Well, and 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 the answer what well, the answer from some of the proponents is well, we got to do something, and uh, the chance of a runaway convention, which would get rid of our Second Amendment, get rid of our First Amendment, everything, is small. And my answer is it, it, we have the most miraculous convention co- constitution ever. But here's the other thing: I, we're talking with Professor Steve Bias, who's a, a, a professor in Oklahoma. Um, what, why would the new constitution bind the same people in office who are not abiding by the old one? Well, that's that's a big problem. You know, at the best, if we had something good, that would just be another another part of the Constitution that they wouldn't obey. Uh, Our problem is not the Constitution. The Constitution, I'll repeat that, is not the problem. The problem is the people in our government, and we have to change the people who are in our government. And that's hard work, and people are always looking for some silver bullet, some easy way, you know, a constitutional convention or something else we won't get into right now, but uh, the, the, it's just going to take education of the electorate and organization, and, and those are the two things, and and it, that's just hard work. So who would be the people that would want this? I mean, do you do you when you look at the people that are pro, that are proponents of it? Do you see a cabal of leftists who are trying to game the system? Do you see, you know, real Americans that are just so frustrated? What's your sense of that part of it? Well, I, I think uh, there are some good people, as you mentioned, but uh, there's also, as you mentioned, uh, people on the left. Uh, they had a uh, forum at New York University in 2019 sponsored by Harper's Magazine, and uh, they were people who wanted to do away with our Constitution. And Lawrence Lessig, who was one of the leaders there, he made the case at this forum that the easiest way to rewrite our Constitution is to have a national constitutional convention. And mm. can, you, can you imagine having a convention uh, right after a school shooting or something like that? And uh, exactly. the Second Amendment would be in danger. It would be in very big danger. Well, and, and another one to say is, can you imagine if the founding fathers had to deal that they were able to close the doors and the windows when they didn't want even people yeah. to press their nose up against the window to look? Imagine what social media would do. Would imagine what the weaponized big tech and big media would do. I mean, we would be we would we would quite literally be fighting against the forces of all that power. All right. So now tell me this. You had a, you had reason to write this in the Epic Times. Uh, and uh, and are you um, what's your sense of what is happening? Are people uh Again, we're talking with Steve Bias, professor of history and government. Also, by the way, I bought your book, History's Greatest Libels. I, I bought that right. as an ebook, so I've got that on my Kindle. I've only read a little bit of it, but uh, that's one of Steve's books. But what, what, what's your sense of is this is this gaining momentum in the time of frustration over Trump's 2020 uh, election uh, loss, or what do you what do you see hearing on the ground? Uh, I think that uh, it, it passed in the uh, state senate here in Oklahoma here about a week ago. Oh. And Oklahoma is, we haven't had a, a Democrat carry a county for president in 20 years. And so it's concerning to me uh, that uh, it, we have to keep our guard up on it and we're going to have to fight it tooth and nail because people are frustrated. And you know how it is when people are frustrated, they, they reach for anything that will end that frustration. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm afraid they're going to reach for something that, uh, will uh, come back and bite us really hard. I'm surprised it passed in Oklahoma. Were you surprised? Well, uh, uh, Tom Coburn, uh, who was our United States Senator, he's passed away now, but he was a huge advocate of uh, 
this. And uh, a lot of the legislators were both, uh, some were venerated him and some were flat out scared of him, you know, and he convinced (laughs) a lot of legislators uh, to be for this. Uh, I heard there were threats that he would campaign against them in their districts and and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think there's a, now that's, uh, I think it's stronger in the state Senate than in the state house. And uh, I've been in uh, conversation with some of the house members and I think it's going to run into more uh, opposition in the house. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is that again, I think that's that's where I say you sometimes see, like when I talk to Cenk, uh, uh Yeager or whatever, the Young Turks guy. He's a leftist. In fact, his his organization, he he admits it. It's Wolfgang, which is one of the ones funded by Soros on the left, which would love nothing more than to get into the Constitution. But when you hear good people, you know, they're probably those good, probably the state senators that are voting for that. They're good conservative, pro life, pro Second Amendment, all these things, and they're oh, yeah. and they're just feeling like oh, their, their constituents have been. Uh, have been told this is the only way to solve the problem, and of course, as you point out, it's it's really not, and uh, and more importantly, it's probably the worst way to try to solve it. Yeah, the cure is uh, would be worse than the disease. Yeah, yeah, it sure seems like it. All right, Steve Bias, uh, professor, thank you for being uh, with us. Thanks for writing again. You're, I'm glad you're out there writing so much. It's uh, good for us and good for the country. So keep it up and keep us on uh, your uh, list, a uh, distribution list, and we'll have you back on again. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me. All right. Yeah, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Very special day today. We're talking with John Schlafly, but we're ahead of the curve. I've seen a draft of the Schlafly Report, the weekly column that Andy and John Schlafly do. Each It posts at Tuesdays in the evening at... Um at uh, over at townhall.com and is archived at phyllisschlafly.com. But I'm looking at a draft, uh, at least a working draft, from what John and Andy are working on, and they've honed in on the border. They call it a border catastrophe for Joe Biden. So welcome, John Schlafly. How are you today? I'm great, Ed. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm fine. Tell me just, John, let me just ask you this. Let me say, tell me this is not the right description. The border between America and Mexico is maintained by the cartels and... The American immigration policy is completely defined by the cartels, not Congress, because if you're a uh, mule or a drug dealer or a uh, drug trafficker, the cartel will allow you to get to the border and the Biden administration will catch and release you. So effectively, the cartels control who comes into America, not Congress. Am I wrong? I think that's right, Ed, and they're earning enormous profits out of it. Uh, Brandon Judd, the head of the Border Patrol's union, uh, this morning, I saw him on television, and he said every person who crosses the border has paid somebody to get there. And how much they paid depends on how far they came. And and they're, they're paying the, the cartels to get there. So if 100,000 people have crossed the border in the month of February, which is what the statistics show, you do the math, and you're talking about several hundred millions of dollars that have been paid to the cartels and for just that month. Um, 
By the way, just to digress for one second, I'm talking with John Schlafly. I was uh, at a meeting today. I won't tell you who the publisher was, although, John, you can put it together based on our other conversation. He told me that there's definitive proof that El Chapo, one of the cartel leaders, was um, was in, actively involved with um, uh, Epstein, the the guy, the the, the now deceased, uh, you know, guy that had all these problems, alleged uh, uh, underage sex uh, trafficking and all. And that El Chapo, there's definitive proof that El Chapo was going to Epstein's island and all. And, and my point in saying that is uh, the people that run these cartels, this is like organized crime. You know, <laughs> Tony Soprano and uh, the Gambinos have nothing on the size and scope of the cartels because effectively they run a nation. The, the Mexican government is not in charge. They're, they're uh, beholden to the cartels. Well, that's an, that's an interesting, uh, you know, we never hold the, we never heard the whole story uh, about you know, Jeffrey Epstein, um, unfortunately, the attorney general Barr, uh, when he, when Epstein was found dead, Barr expressed indignation and outrage, as he should have, said he was going to get to the bottom of it, but he never released. He never did. And so uh, we've got a host of unanswered questions. Uh, maybe it'll come out with the investigation of the woman that who is now in custody, but uh, I'd like to know more about that, Ed, and I'm sure your listeners would too. <laughs> yeah, well, we may get to the bottom of it. The, the gentleman I was talking to is a publisher and has a book uh, uh, manuscript that he's looking at on that subject. But but back to my point and your point in this column. Again, we're talking with John Schlafly. His column is at townhall.com, also over at uh, over at the uh, Phyllis Schlafly uh, Eagles uh, website, which is phyllisschlafly.com. All his, his uh, pieces are archived there. The title of this week's column is um, the Bo- Biden. Uh, excuse me, border catastrophe sinks Biden. Here's what I want to ask you, John. Can politicians get away with such terrible policies because it's 20 months before an election? In this column, John Schlafly, you cite that um, Bill Clinton only lost one election in his long career, and it was 1978. And you attribute it to the fact that the Cuban... Uh, illegal, uh, Cuban uh, nationals had sort of overrun uh, America. It had become a major political issue just before the election. Carter was somewhat feckless as per usual, and so they lost. But, John, don't you get away with it if it's this far away? By the time you get to the election, haven't you had 7,000 uh, turns of the globe and uh, and tweets around the world and people don't remember? Well, uh, it, it's true that there are... Uh, the election is a ways off. On the other hand, the crisis on the border is only getting worse with each passing day. And, uh, you know, just the fact that just today the Democrat House of Representatives is moving uh, amnesty bills, two of them, through the House Rules Committee, um, they don't seem to realize that the world may be moving under them. And, uh, you know, the 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 uh, House Democrats are kind of in their own separate world. And uh, I just think the public is not going to go along with that. And there's going to be a rebellion. Well, I, I think it, it looks unpopular. The, the evidence is so stark. I mean, you know, and everything that Trump was accused of doing in terms of separating families and keeping children in cages and so on unfairly criticized. Well, this is even more so what Biden is doing right now. And uh, he, he's not reuniting families. 
these children are coming and they're sleeping on the floor in temporary makeshift shelters. And their, their parents, as far as we know, are back, you know, they're a thousand miles away. He's doing nothing to reunite them. Uh, and now we're going to be left with thousands, tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of children raising an age from, I don't know, seven to 14. Um, and what are we going to do with them? They have never been to school. You know, they had, they're they not fit to go into our schools. Uh, they don't speak our language. Uh, they need to be returned home to the custody of their parents in their home country. You know, there's nobody in the United States who can care for these people. Um, and they may have relatives, but their relatives are illegal. And, you know, their, their relatives need to be sent back to help care for these children in their home countries. Uh, John Schlafly, we're talking to John Schlafly, the uh, co-author with his brother Andy of the Schlafly Report. Uh, Peace column this week is border catastrophe sinks Biden. But does it, John? Does does Biden and his team care that he's got this catastrophe? Isn't this part of the plan? I mean, does it really sink Biden? Are you are, are you making the argument that they can't handle it or that they'll lose at the polls? Uh, or I, I wonder if they just don't mind the, uh, the this form of chaos. I think they don't mind it. Uh, well, uh, you know, if they can get a handle on it, uh, maybe you're right. But I don't think they will be able to get a handle on it. I, I think they, many of these progressives believe their own propaganda, frankly. They're just detached from reality. Uh, they've, they've read the uh, false narratives that have been put out by the major news media, and they believed it. Uh, you know, the, but the reality always strikes back, doesn't it? Uh, Ed, eventually, and um, there's simply no way that this volume of unaccompanied children or mm-hmm. uh, family units, uh, very primitive, uneducated, unskilled people who do not speak our language and cannot survive in our country without uh, essentially being uh, you know, cared for by uh, American, by the American government organizations. I mean, in unprecedented numbers, greater numbers, and the numbers are only going higher. And there's no, uh, there's no plan that can accommodate the trajectory of what is now unfolding on the southern border. And this is heading toward a crisis for the Biden administration. I don't think he'll be able to cope with that. At some point, he'll have to call a halt to it. And at that point, he'll be besieged by his own progressive base. You remember the same people who called Barack Obama the deporter in chief will turn on Biden because reality will demand that. And then we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I think so. I just wonder, uh, you know, meanwhile, over in the Senate there, the talk was that Republican uh, Senator Rick Scott was presenting some kind of bill that included amnesty for a certain amount of uh, illegal uh, aliens here. And and, you know, you wonder if the Republicans will do their if the Republicans will decide to help Biden by, you know, saying it's a crisis for all of us as as opposed to stepping back a little bit and saying this is your crisis. How do you fix it? I mean, that's one of the dangers. No. 
yes, and uh, unfortunately, there is a segment of the Republican, of the old Republican Party before Trump, which was, uh, which, you know, saw alleged economic benefit in a steady flow of people coming to the country, legal or illegal. You know, I really think that uh, Donald Trump uh, put an end to that, put an end to that among about 80 percent of Republicans. And um, so uh, the groups in Washington are still there and uh, they will attempt to lobby something through with uh, false propaganda. But uh, Mm -hmm. but I don't think they can get away with it. You know, the kind of thing that we saw, Ed, in 2013, I don't think that can happen again uh, this year. Um, yeah. Where uh, a bad bill passed the Senate with about 66 votes, and then before it was, before Senator Jeff Sessions was able to stop it in the House. But um, I, I just don't think there are 66 votes or even 50 votes in the United States Senate to do that kind of thing uh, this year. Could be right. Could be right. All right, John. Uh, thank you, John Schlafly. The column is posted over at townhall.com and also uh, always archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. John and Andy Schlafly make up the Schlafly Report, continuing the tradition of the late Phyllis Schlafly. wrote a column weekly for many, many decades. Thanks, John. We'll talk again next week. We'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast launched by Phyllis Schlafly, who served as an articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Upholding that legacy and himself an author, national speaker, and attorney, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Before Donald Trump came on the scene, only Republican visionaries like Phyllis Schlafly were really paying attention to the liberal takeover of our federal court system. Now, everyone is talking about the courts. In just a matter of four years under President Trump, we went from courts that would swing left on almost every issue to a largely balanced system headed by judges who stick to the Constitution. The system is still far from perfect, but the liberal stranglehold on the judiciary is definitely over. And obviously, leftists are not terribly happy with the end of their black-robed rubber-stamp brigade. Now Democrats have made undoing Trump's judicial legacy a top priority. A series of left-wing dark money groups are banding together to form a coalition called Unrig the Courts, which attempts to erase any Trump influence from the justice system. Their goal is to push radical changes to swing the courts back to a hard-left position, including packing the courts with leftist judges. Packing the court is a highly controversial method by which a president expands the number of judges on the U.S. Supreme Court in order to make the court rule his way. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the last president to attempt this, but the senators in his own party shut him down because they saw what a loony idea it was. Candidate Joe Biden once claimed he was not a fan of court packing, but he refused to get any more specific on the campaign trail because he knew it was an issue he could never win on. As soon as he took office, Biden formed a commission to explore possible judicial reform options, including court packing. Having a left-leaning high court seems to be a much higher priority to President Biden than sticking to his word as candidate Biden. Please pardon my lack of surprise. 
Even with Democrat control of all branches of government, the Supreme Court stands as an impenetrable wall between Democrats and their goal of reshaping American society far outside its constitutional constraints. Court packing will destroy that wall and destroy America's faith in our justice system with it. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues. Upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Chairman Helen Marie Taylor, Treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis in our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, let's follow up on a little topic. I got some grief uh, overnight um, in the emails and on Twitter and all because I pointed I went into more detail. In fact, I did a TV interview. So they, again, we're talking um, here in the Pro-America Report. Ed Martin, go over to ProAmericaReport.com. You get all these segments. as a, You get the whole thing as a podcast and each segment standalone and you can sign up for the Daily Wink. And so what I'm following up on, though, is uh, Pope Francis made this extraordinary statement, according to the media. He's now being attacked by Elton John. He's being attacked by all these people, which is really funny because they loved saying this pope, Pope Francis, was their favorite pope because he said, you know, he traveled to Iraq and he said things about the environment and all kinds of things that sounded like they liked. On this issue, he um, he on the issue of marriage. He said, look, it's not up for grabs. And while we say we bless every single person and we pray for every person and, and all, it's not up for grabs. Um, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. It's meant to lead to having a family. That's the point of it. And we're sticking to that. So he's been getting savage now. And um, the interesting thing about this is perhaps because he was too friendly for too long with the left, they're kind of almost angrier than you'd expect. And uh, maybe not. Maybe they're just angry. Um but I have to say, he's um. Here's one thing I tell you. He have you noticed? Now that I say this, you will. It, where are all the people defending him? There's a bishop in every big city. There's archbishops in many cities. If you have huge cities, you know bigger cities. Where are those men? men? Where are the? By, by the way, where are the conservative uh, Protestant uh, pastors who would have the same position on marriage? Where are the conservative uh, leaders in general? And the answer is, they're afraid of being canceled. And so you don't hear almost anybody talking about this issue in, in, in support of the president. Uh, excuse me, the president, the pope, in support, of, in support of Pope Francis. If you read what he said, it's very um, consistent. It's very, I think, thoughtful. It's, uh, it marches through the situation, and he's just being savaged. And, and again, my point to you now is not to talk about that. We talked about it yesterday. I mean, I think I, I totally uh, understand it. I appreciate it. I think it's a very important moment. And I think the American people, especially, should reflect on where our culture is, that this is so foreign to our culture. But all that's, to be, all that's put aside for a moment. Not for a moment. Let me put that aside and move on to this. Where are the people who believe this position, either in the Catholic Church or in affiliated Christian or Jewish faiths, uh, Christian churches or Jewish faiths, joining to say, okay, good point, we're with you. Very few are out there. Very few. And it leads me back to this epidemic this um, this epidemic of self-censorship where people just don't want to speak up because it's not worth the trouble. And they don't want to have to be targeted. 
And so they keep their head down and they say less. They might think it. They might be um, even privately saying it. They may even be saying so from their pulpits on Sundays, but they're not uh, they're not crying it from the mountaintops or the rooftops, at least forget a mountain. If you're not in a mountain for the, from the rooftops, they're not kind of jumping out there to say, that's right. You know, I'm, I'm with you. Here's why it's very strange. Here's another one. Have you seen a university president, Catholic university president, university of San Diego, Catholic, Notre Dame, Catholic, Georgetown university, Catholic, in fact, the only quote I saw from a Catholic, a prof, a Catholic university person was a professor of theology at Fordham University, a Catholic Jesuit school in New York City, in um, Bronx, New York. And he was described as a professor of theology, a gay man who's married and is an Episcopal priest. That's pretty far to go to say you're a Catholic university and the theology the professor who's gay and married and is Episcopal priest is the one being quoted. Now, it could be that there's lots of people saying, uh, good job, I agree, I'll stand by you, let me help explain it. And we're just not seeing it. Maybe the media is not covering, but I doubt it. There's a big president of Fordham, big time, uh, well-known Jesuit. He could have spoken out. There's uh, lots of bishops could have spoken out. Pretty quiet, pretty quiet. All right, we got to run. Uh, tomorrow, St. Patrick's Day, I think it's a white supremacist day, I think, but we'll be celebrating big time, so look forward to that. We'll tell you, we got to run. Uh, thank you, as always, to know our great technical director and to uh, Joanna for booking our guests and you listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.